So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. huge thank you to everyone that signed up for our live watch along of the British Grand Prix yeah there's just 10 tickets left which we never expected so if you want guaranteed entertainment Terry what should listeners do they should go to www.ff1s.com forward slash British hyphen grand that's it okay then when they're there they should probably buy a ticket I mean (laughs) the website itself isn't the live thing that's not how the internet works right okay So that's for the British Grand Prix. It is going to be in a pub in South London on Sunday the 9th of July. Not the actual Grand Prix, but we'll be watching it from there. You can find all the details at ff1s.com. And now, here's the show. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that takes a sideways look at Grand Prix racing, much like Brendan Hartley. What a way to deal with nearly losing your job. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that's brought games in to fill the time. I've got Scrabble yeah. and... Uh, Bananagrams? Bana- uh, Bananagrams is a bit hipster shite for me. You know? I spy with my little... Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that would frankly love a celebrity to come and put us out of our misery a few minutes early. Are we talking about being executed by celebrities? I mean, I don't really care how it ends, just as long as this thing ends. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the only F1 podcast Well, wait, the podcast is finished. Let's all go home. I'm friends with Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I'm G. Graz, and today from South Bank Centre in Waterloo... Is that a branding thing? You can't say the. Yeah, you're not allowed to say the. So it's not the South Bank Centre. No, 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 it's just no, it's like iPhone. So we're going to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix, where someone famous didn't mess up, and someone German had an easy win, and someone Dutch didn't even crash. That's all to come. Joining me is a man who's been brushing up on all things American. It is Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. Remotely, uh, once again, I'm not with you because I have been learning everything there is to know about American culture. I've been meeting Americans from all over the USA because I have spent the last week touring Ireland, where apparently there are more Americans than Irish people. Genuinely, I've met more American people than I have people from Ireland. I went to somewhere in Ireland once and there was just big posters of JFK up because he visited there once. There are massive posters everywhere, like it was yesterday. 
I've literally just checked into a place on the on the on the west coast of Ireland uh, on the Ring of Kerry, and apparently Prince Charles is coming on Friday. So and maybe I'll hey. see Prince Charles. Yeah, I, the lady I literally just checked in before I called into the show, and um, the lady on reception said, "Yeah, Prince Charles is coming on Friday." I presume he's renting a nice. caravan or something. I don't know. And alongside him is a man who is off to Le Mans. I'm actually wearing my Le Mans headphones. I'm got my bag packed full of too much stuff for a weekend and I'm going to the longest motor race in history don't fact check that (laughs) and when when do you literally go straight after this after we do the podcast I'm going to Ashford International then in the morning we're going to Calais then we're driving to Le Mans getting some beer on the way and I'm uh, looking forward to it greatly and not with that at all that I'm spending it a long week mainly with people I don't know very well how did you get tickets to a friend no. jumping the barrier <laughs> so basically at this point you're the Fernando Alonso of this podcast do you mean that politically I've engineered a situation where no other podcast will have me yes and eventually you'll even get though, all of this podcast and even go though I'm arguably podcast. the best podcaster that's ever existed <laughs> I, mean, I would every, argue after that. every podcast you say I mean you know it wasn't very good but it was the best podcast I've ever done hey Chica mm-hmm. what oh you, yeah Chica what have you been up to so I went uh, to a wedding last weekend nice. and it was my old housemate's wedding. Old housemate uh, that lived in the peanut factory. Uh, if oh. you've been listening long enough, you'll know about my dark past. So she was getting married and it was all lovely, beautiful service, very chilled out, lovely hall with tables all the way down it, you know, lovely food. And uh, after the first course, I got up to, to go to the toilet and... Um, when I went, I felt my hip sort of brush something. I heard this gasp, and I looked behind. No. And it was the wedding cake. No. <laughs> no. Yes, the wedding cake was on the floor. No. <laughs> oh, my Chica. God. I know. Had it, it was been, awful. Had it been cut? No, no, no. Oh. No. It was... Yeah, and it was uh, a few layers, and a family member had made a different layer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chica, I know. what did you do? I just, I hid in the kitchen for a bit. Did people know it was you? How? Uh, How did yeah, you do yeah. it? I mean, well, you know I'm clumsy. I mean, this was a whole, I drank a lot. I was excited. <laughs> oh, I needed see. the loo. And I knocked over the wedding cake. Did they salvage it? Uh, there were some slices left, which <laughs> I wasn't going to eat. But <laughs> well, I said your bum in. on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First, we are going to slow down to take the chicane that was put there for safety reasons. It's Listener's Corner. So we can't hide the fact that the race was a bit dull. Edward Knight says 29 overtakes last year and won this year. Craig Thurston says a race so dull that even Grosjean didn't crash. The wall of champions should move in and out on the kerb like the tipping point machine. Rich Johnson says... I'm enjoying the extra time I have at the weekend. Just watching the highlights, so I'm only bored for four minutes instead of two hours. Hope the boring races continue. I'm with Rich on this one. Mm, very productive weekend. I've been now. getting so much done this year. I've been putting up shelves, I've been varnishing things, sanding things down. Looking at volcanoes. Stuff, catching up with my admin, all of this stuff. Um, it's great. Uh, I, I enjoyed our race. Thank you. For that reason. Formula One. However, Lewis F. Casso has been optimistic as well. He said at the very least there's some sense of surprise at each race. It's not been a race for third as in years past with Mercedes inviscerating the field. Am I alone in expecting Mercedes at any moment to say, right, that's quite enough of that? And moving on to a demoralising tier of successive victories. To me, at least, that was always far more dull this season. 
I mean, I suppose it is careful what you wish for, isn't it? Because obviously it was quite dull having Mercedes walk it. But it's just that thing of once you get a taste of something, you want more. Like if someone says, there's a nice wedding cake over there, you don't go, oh, I'll tell you what would be good. It just, you know, I'll, I'll just brush past it and knock it on the floor. You think, no, I want to eat the cake, not just ruin someone's Do special day. Do you need to bring this up again? Uh... The theory of three tiers of wedding cake sounds really good rather than just one tier of wedding cake. But when it's on the floor, mm. nobody cares. I mean, there are plenty of tiers there. <laughs> Did anyone cry? Uh, no, I mean, I was hiding in the kitchen, <laughs> so I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I do think that these are different problems because actually Mercedes walking it is one thing, but you could still have lots of overtaking behind. But now we've got, like, just no overtaking. And... It's so depressing because Formula 1's had this problem before, ongoing, for like maybe 20 years now, and it's just like, it shouldn't be that hard to fix, surely. But they they did fix it. The beginning of the season's been fun, and now look. But it's fun thanks to safety cars and people fucking up. I'm starting to think reverse grids and enforced safety cars is the way to go, and sprinklers. (laughs) I think it's almost impossible to, to judge what extra should be done until they've sorted out the tyres and the overtaking basically um, you know once they've sorted out the fact that the aerodynamics mean nobody can get near each other and the tyres go off so fast that everyone's just nursing them for most of the race any other problems I mean you can't really be sure they've got to sort those out and then we'll see I'm, I'm a big fan of the fact that there are three but you know you never know who exactly is going to win the race on the weekend which is good but the trouble is sort of by qualifying usually or at least for the past three by the time it's sort of established who's quickest and who's not then you've just gone okay well they're going to win unless they crack mm. yeah you're right and it is weird how on paper this is very exciting because we've had like seven races and three different teams winning so that's good but you're right it's, it, it is prescriptive of this this race will be won by Ferrari this mm-hmm. race will be won by Mercedes the, 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 it's like the race weekend this championship feels like we're playing like a computer simulation and we're just kind of you know when you play like football manager and you just like fast forward to the games because you want to get to the bit where you're deciding the players it's like that the races are boring everything else around is quite interesting well they haven't said that it's only the last three races that have been boring you remember apart from Australia we had three about three good races in a row and then we've had three boring ones so maybe the next three will be great I mean we're going to oh actually we're going to Paul Ricard next time which might not be that exciting but I mean, who knows? We've had surprises so far. It hasn't all been predictable. I can't think of any, but, but I'm it was sure they were there. A good safety car, like half if halfway through that race, a safety car would just come out just for fun. Because <laughs> the problem I had with this race was Lance Stroll's crash on lap one with Brendan Hartley made you go, "This, this is going to be, be good. a fucking race." Fucking <laughs> hard. One's been like this, and mm. the fact that they were still doing replays of that by lap sixty, <laughs> going, "Do you remember this that happened? Oh, that's good, wouldn't it? Oh, don't turn off." But if yeah. there had been a safety car halfway through, because like poor old Grosjean that's staying out there going, oh, when a safety car comes in, I'm going to do really well. Then no other safety car comes. And poor sod. Richard Stevenson said those Heineken red stars did make it look all very Mario Kart. I can't even understand what that was about when they just had these like big virtual red stars on the track that the drivers were driving through. It was. I'm not going to lie, it? I didn't see this bit. Were those not real? Because I was watching it on my phone, so I couldn't... I couldn't. Uh, they looked real to no, me. I thought they, they just virtu- put these big red things up on the track. No, it was big virtual computer-generated red stars that they had to drive through as if 
This oh. was rather for communism. Could, could they oh, see them? Oh, well, that's clearly not work, because I thought they'd just put some I mean, sort of like bridge-type gantry things up. Formula One is communism, really, isn't it? So I mean, it would be, it would be good. Equal sport. Or each driver sees what they believe. <laughs> So Mark Sibley said, we need to introduce points for fastest lap. It'll give at least some incentive to go flat out at some point during a race. Also, hitting livestock should get you a championship point. Five points for Grosjean, then. Although, having said that, Grosjean might feel, oh, I hit a groundhog, but he wasn't in the race, so he doesn't get the points. Also, Ricardo got fastest lap, but then he didn't, because it was after the chequered flag was waved the first time, so he didn't get that either, so... It would make the race a lot more exciting if uh, livestock were let loose on the track, if we're honest. I think that would be good. I think it would be like, oh, someone's on the hypersoft tyre, that means the sheep come out. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time somebody pits for a certain combination, it sort of triggers the release of a remote gate. Yeah. Or there's a specific time. If someone hits a specific lap time, suddenly <laughs> these hatches of the track pop open and like all these little baby yellow chicks come out because uh, oh, no one wants to kill them. those. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So then are you a driver that just goes full speed to get the fastest lap? But of course then you could get bits of baby chicken in your wing ducts and that could affect your aerodeficiency and your heating or do you Lewis Hamilton's a vegan you could go through slowly he's a bit well he was a few months ago you could go through slowly and Mm. try and avoid the chickens that's a good idea Ben Turnbull says Winnie Harlow needs to go to the Monaco Grand Prix she can wave the flag on the third lap and put everyone out of their misery early that's a good idea. I think actually there's something to be, be said the same results. for randomly ending races when they're boring. Like we keep thinking about how do we fix F1? Do we make the aero better? Do we make the tyres better? Do we bring out sprinklers or safety cars? <laughs> then maybe Charlie Whiting just goes, Do you know what? This race is looking shit. <laughs> Get out a supermodel, let her do what she wants to do, and bang, we can all go home. Maybe instead of the livestock we just you know, something releases <laughs> releases the celebrity. That could also work. Celebrities onto the track with flags. Okay, so now on to news. Jensen's back. Well, sort of. Everyone's favourite Somerset-raised former world champion Jensen Button will be racing at the British Grand Prix. What? No. Oh. Not in the feature F1 race, but against motorbike loon, mechanic and TV presenter Guy Martin in a 1983 Williams car for a new TV show. Martin, who races in mental races like the Isle of Man TT, will restore a former Ayrton Senna FW08C and then Battle Button who will be driving the six-wheeled FW08B Speed with Guy Martin classic F1 driver will be on Channel 4 later this year They really knew how to name cars in those days (laughs) didn't they? I am really looking forward to this it sounds great Really? This one really got six wheels. I thought that was a Tyrrell. Did Williams have a six-wheeler? Yeah, they did. I think they, I'm not sure they ever actually raced it. They kind of built it, and then it, I know it was immediately banned, but I'm not sure if it was pre- or post-racing. It was slightly before my time. But this sounds brilliant to me. I, I quite like Guy Martin anyway, and like the idea of restoring an old F1 car and then battling oh, Jensen Oh, Guy Button. Martin! I was imagining Guy Garvey, <laughs> which is a very different programme. <laughs> So next bit of news, can we talk about the coolest new camera angles in F1? Several drivers, including Pierre Gasly and Roman Grosjean, have been wearing glasses with a camera attached to give us amazing footage during practice sessions. Grosjean said they were painful to wear, but produced awesome POV footage. Is this the future of F1 broadcasting? Yes, it does look amazing. I've seen one of the laps. It looks properly interesting, and you can see the way the camera's pointing and the way their head's pointing. And like just the little facts, like they look right before they turn out the pit lane, like they're doing their mirror signal manoeuvre. I love it. And also, added bonus, it hurts Grosjean. I mean, 
<laughs> this is amazing. Can you imagine if you can press a button on your on an iPhone app that just squeezes his head slightly? <laughs> oh, he's doing quite well. <laughs> it's something that F1's not been brilliant at, is it, camera angles? Because, I mean, back in the day, they had the onboard cameras like almost as far back as I can remember. And I remember, you know, in the 80s thinking, wow, those are amazing. But you, other than the fact that they've stabilised and lost some of the drama, they've not really brought the game on much. And whereas likes of IndyCar or V8 supercars have got like the 360 cameras that move around and you can see the cars coming up behind them and stuff, there isn't really anything like that in F1. And every time they try something, they sort of get rid of it again one race later for no reason. But did you read the whole thing? <laughs> there was genuine talk that what they were going to do is they, they looked at the old Ayrton Senna Monaco lap where the cameras virtually shake it off and it keeps going out of position and like the, it keeps going fuzzy because it's lost signal because it's being battered around too much. And they went, oh, the problem these days is that the cameras are too stable. So what we'll do is we'll add in some artificial wobble. God, like an and that was going to be their idea. Yeah, they were going to go, yeah, let's do a filter on it and we'll make it all wobble and do some kind of pretend VHS. And luckily, someone said no to that. And yeah, have we talked about the camera position with the Halo this year? I don't know if we have no. or not. What, with the, with, whether it's perfectly positioned to uh, to incorporate the new graphics? Yeah, but that's a, that's a happy accident because apparently, I read, what happened is classic Formula 1. In the, the, so the camera angle is totally blocked by the halo. So you've got this camera angle and there's just a halo in the middle of it and you're like what's going on here why did they do this and apparently because the halo came so late in the day to be confirmed they'd already signed off the camera positions because <laughs> camera positions are regulated by the FIA they say, you've got to have a camera off? here hmm? why do they have to be signed off because the, the FIA says where the camera has to be they're in control of where it's where they say oh, every right. car has to have a camera here and then they go and also every car has to have this thing in the way of the camera <laughs> and you're like fucking hell Formula 1 get it together you idiots <laughs> it's a super Formula 1 thing though I presume I wonder if that's something to do with safety and like where the camera is mounted and versus where it might project into the car or something in the event of a crash oh no. I mean cameras are tiny these days they could have it in their balls tell us how wrong we are you can tweet us at for F1's sake or find us on Facebook we're for F1's sake or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com time for the teams Ferrari so Vettel looked nowhere on Friday practice Kimi was busy filing extortion claims while Red Bull topped the charts then on Saturday he aced pole and stayed there until the chequered flag why were they so good it is weird that they they looked shit on Friday and then they looked pretty shit on Saturday until like the third session of qualifying and then suddenly it was like a Red Bull, it was like an old Red Bull win. It was just like, kind of, here we go, I'm in the pole position, I'm leading, I'm winning, it's done. But with one overtake, I mean, in a really boring race, there was not really an opportunity for anyone else. Well, it was, this is what Sebastian Vettel used to at Red Bull. He'd get on pole and he'd just fuck off. And that's what he did. <laughs> Could this be it? Could things be changing for the rest of the season now? Could it's, we get an old Vettel? It's confusing because... This should be Mercedes track. They they were really angry. They were playing about with the cooling and the tyres and everything. For the last few years, especially, we've been taking the piss out of Ferrari for the amount of on the day fuck ups they make. And Ferrari are getting a bit too efficient. They're just getting quite good at this racing luck. I don't like it. I'm genuinely intrigued to know what happens because I've I've only been able to sort of dip in and out of the of the race weekend because I've been in the middle of rural Ireland with very little internet. And um, yeah, when I checked practice, it seemed like Verstappen was acing everything, was fastest in practice. And then I obviously saw that I saw the YouTube catch up of qualifying, and then I watched the race. And yeah, I was like, well, 
I was expecting it to be a lot closer than this. I think it's just that thing, it's the Red Bull Renault thing, is that Ferrari and Mercedes don't turn their engines up until Saturday, and then when they do, the Red Bull can't compete. Is, is that what it is? I think it's as simple as that. He says, oversimplifying what's probably 3,000 people's jobs. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so Red Bull. We got more gobby Max Verstappen. This time he said, I guess I still know how to drive. Can we get the accent? I guess I still know how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and Ricardo did his old repeated trick of winning a race, then being rubbish in the next race. Although he did beat Hamilton. So frankly, none of us can remember what happened in the race, though, because it was so dull. Whoever wrote that would got bored halfway through writing, then remembered that they'd written something wrong and didn't press delete. Chica, shame on you <laughs> for, for writing that. Thanks for bailing me out with this. Yeah, I mean Verstappen wow. didn't crash for the he first time well. this season. He drove well, but is it really the first time he didn't crash? It's yeah, the first it's the time he's not had a crash this season. Yeah, I thought I actually yeah, thought yeah. he was he was really good, and he could so easily have had a massive accident in about the first four corners when he was tussling with Bottas. But he actually showed a bit of maturity and said, "No, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna force this and basically do what Hartley and Stroll did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Bottas have it and then I'll, you know, see what happens." And I say, "Fair play." What have we learned? Maturity is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Bring back crash versus crash crash because that was dull. I mean, he did well. He was fastest all weekend. Then he wasn't. Then he still did all right. Yeah, great. Got the fastest lap. But. But let's not forget, he did threaten to headbutt someone. Yes, he did. Mm. So that's more enticing yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, he, he it, used to be quite like. Well, I mean, was. I know you didn't like him, but he used to be quite likable. So and now the, look at him. Yeah, in the Thursday or Friday press conference, some, they were asked. They said to him, "Like, are you going to crash at this race? You're always crashing. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a crash-filled bastard." And he went, "If anyone asks us about crashing, I just want to headbutt them." And it's like, well, there's one way to not be asked about crashing: is stop crashing stop every race. Fucking crashing, you dick. And there he is, and it's boring, so I don't know what I want anymore. What do I want in life? <laughs> do you want headbutts? Well, um... <laughs> I want to have my cake and eat it, and I want my I cake not to be on the fucking floor. <laughs> so my family made. A family member, each family member made a tear. Do we need to go back to that? Okay, have we got anything to say about Ricardo? He, I mean, he held off Hamilton. Mm. whoopee do. Okay, Mercedes. Hamilton didn't really turn up all weekend. Uh, Bottas walked all over him at his favourite track, uh, but he nearly ran out of fuel. So was it tyres or old engines or just being distracted by his friend? I mean, Hamilton did have his friend Winnie there and he was probably all being like, Who is his friend? Look at me. Winnie, Winnie. the supermodel. Oh, their friend. Finished the race early. Maybe uh, she was like, this is not going well. Finish it. Wave that flag because of Hamilton being her mate. Or do you reckon she was uh, promising... (laughs) <laughs> one lap quicker that we can have some motorhome fun Renault Hulkenberg and Sainz won the coveted bead class trophy by being way behind the top six and yet ahead of McLaren can they edge closer to the front no no no, no they can't they're doing well I mean Renault are in a weird position because they've got the same engine as uh, McLaren and Red Bull they're doing way better than McLaren mm, and way shitter works. than Red Bull so yeah, yeah whatever I did hear on another podcast that won't be named, but is hosted by people who know what they're talking about, that apparently oh. Red Bull are getting annoyed that uh, Renault are putting much more of their resources into their own team than they are in sort of helping helping their customer teams out. So in theory, you would think, if that's true, that Renault could edge a bit closer, but I can't. I can't see them catching Red Bull, can you? No. Red Bull have the best chassis at F1, McLaren, sorry. You know, if Red Bull had a decent engine... They would be doing a Mercedes and walking it. 
that there's rumours that they're, they're going to sign with Honda and I just can't see that being a good idea. Yeah. Can it? Can that be a good idea? Can it? Well, no. if they do, it would. they'd have to do it soon because then they'd have the rest of this year to sort the car out for next year and make sure the two meet up. And then two years later, they're probably going to have to throw everything out again and start again anyway because the new reg's coming in 2021. I mean, I think considering they knew this engine was not was bad, they're doing really well. They yeah. had an old engine. Yeah, they're doing all right. But not great. <laughs> Force India. Perez took a shortcut over the grass. Ocon was a respectable ninth. Pretty interesting. Perez blamed Science entirely for that, didn't, didn't he? He, he reckoned Science oh, forced him onto the grass. Ah, that's just Force oh, yeah, India, isn't it? Perez came out and was going like, black flag, black flag. And it's like, hey, whoa there, sir. When, when you, know the last you time ever got... known that happened? When was the last time that, anyone got la- disqualified? Last time, black flag was... Portugal 1993 with Nigel Mansell when he reversed in the pit lane that was a technical infringement not a crash dickwad yeah I mean at best if you shouted on the radio 10 second penalty or drive through penalty you'd be like okay at least you get in there with a game searcher but this is just unrealistic this is how you see penalties how do you see the rest of your life is it just there in the morning going champagne so you want to see more realism in the in the spontaneous complaint definitely I want them to go do you know what if you can't do it today maybe by next week you'll be fine you should investigate that after the race yeah. To be fair, though, in an extremely boring race, the grass shortcut was, I reckon, the second most. Morgan just could go down as well as up. <laughs> I mean, I did, I did think because he went skittering over the grass. I did wonder if he was going to spear somebody inside as he came back onto track again. But everybody sort of went, yeah. "Oh, here comes Perez again," and just drove down there. Which was disappointing. Mm. You wanted, a, you wanted a spear at that point, mm. bastards. Williams Stroll did the worst thing you can do in a race which was make it seem like it was going to be an action-packed exciting two hours when in fact him and Hartley colliding was basically as we said all that happened Stroll Canadian Grand Prix home race podium last time whoopsie what what was your take on that who was to blame (sighs) Chica Stroll yeah I mean it was I mean the thing is Stroll made a lot of places up like he did did a good start and then it's like he forgot to break it was like Hartley wasn't in the wrong but at the same time he shouldn't have gone down there because there was he no he probably should have realised it was a silly place to be yeah because mm. chances are that stroll on cold tyres with a full tank of fuel might possibly slide sideways and, and send him up the wall well I hope they both learn from their mistakes hey yes. <laughs> not even Grosjean screwed up that is how dull the race was I don't know what happened with Magnussen. I don't remember him even being there. Was he there? I don't know. Mm. I don't remember seeing him either, but Grosjean did take out the no. groundhog. We should talk about that because mm. that is... He was very angry afterwards because he said the groundhog had been witnessed on track and no one took it away. But they build a track around groundhogs, you know. Groundhogs <laughs> are allowed to be there. It's not their fault that they can't... They haven't evolved the armour to deal with Formula 1 cars at 200 miles an hour. And you, like you said, makes it more exciting. Yeah. I mean, what was great is that Haas had released this press thing that just said, we're short on spares this weekend, so we're desperately asking our drivers not to crash Grosjean. <laughs> and the next tweet was them going, here's our wing after Grosjean ran over a groundhog. I mean, in his defence, he didn't crash. Actually, in the press, if you read the press release very carefully, or the report I read about it, they don't mention groundhog, they just say animal. Like, is groundhog too acute an animal to admit you've just killed <laughs> Like if they say animal, it could be anything. It could, could be a spider. It could be trying to create an air of mystery, make it more exciting. A chick? <laughs> Baby little yellow chick. <laughs> All over the breakup. 
Imagine if that was a mechanic's job, pulling out yellow furry chicken guts from the brake. Did you you see the footage when he hit him, and then you know it went? It basically went all over the camera lens of the in-car camera, and then very slowly the camera just went sideways and sort of wiped it all off. I mean, it's impressive. I mean, they should be selling those on like late-night shopping channels. Do you find meat with your arthritis? Do you find meat too hard to cut? Get in a Formula One truck and leave a steak on the track. Toro Rosso, Hartley learned via the news this week that Toro Rosso were trying to sign Lando Norris for the rest of the season. McLaren refused to release their driver, but it was kick up the arse for Brendan, who went on to Lance Stroll up the arse. That was good. Good wordplay. Yeah, poor old Brendan. He has not had a good week. Toro Rosso have asked Lando Norris to come and fit him for Brendan, and McLaren said no. And also, I was listening to another podcast, like Phil just said about another Formula One podcast, but apparently this whole Honda Red Bull deal, because Toro Rosso have got the Honda engines, they are relying on Honda data from Toro Rosso to make their decision. So basically, they need a full race distance to go, is this engine any good? And then lap one, Brendan Hartley, who's already in trouble, goes, uh, could I just put it in the wall? Is that good for your data to learn, you know, what it's like in a wall? Does that help at all, guys? Do you think he'll last the end of the season? No. Okay. I kind of hope he does. I think that's, I think it's been a bit harsh on Hartley. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's tough being a Toro Rosso driver. They will, you do the slightest thing wrong and they will look to get rid of you. Because he's had what? Mm. Eight races? Nine races? And, okay, he's not covered himself in glory, but at least half of those haven't been his fault. Sauber. Bloody Leclerc got more points in a bloody Sauber. This guy is good and we should all be talking about him forever. Ericsson was also there. Leclerc is good. He's very good, isn't he? So, you know, he was all right. Mm. Then he was good. Where did he finish? Tenth. Tenth. In a Sauber. I think he's doing extremely well to, to have... I mean, he's really showing up Ericsson. And he's only... Because he didn't do any races last year, did he? He's only started at the start of this season. So he's seven races yeah. in. It's going to take him at least probably two or three to get used to the car because it's a hell of a jump up from everything he's driven before. But I, I really think he's getting his act together and he seems a, a safe pair of hands and, and quick with it as well. I think he, if, if he gets into a, a, a better car, I mean, could, could he even conceivably replace Raikkonen next year? Yes, absolutely. Do you reckon? Kimi Raikkonen, gone. Yeah, but we've been here. saying this for about six but years But do you now. think Vettel would be happy with that? Vettel would be happy because he could walk all over him and mould him in his image and take him down the pub. McLaren! Will Alonso even bother to leave Le Mans or will he just set up shop in a farm near the circuit after his inevitable win and never again sally F1 with Kamoa? The new Renault engine left him 14th on the grid and then did a Honda during the race. Van Dorn is so absent his face is on the side of milk cartons. McLaren, what are you doing? I mean, oh, fastest, fastest chassis, we've already had a decent engine, here's a Renault, oh, we're just waiting for an update, oh, here's an updated Renault engine, 14th in Canada. You... <laughs> Fucking idiots! Get the fuck out of it. How? I don't think Alonso is going to finish the season. No. I think he's going to just give up. I can't. I, yeah. How, how can again, he carry on? We've said that. Before. I know, but I think he will finish the season. Although, having said that, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, because they have got a very willing young rookie and Lando Norris ready to come in. I'm sure if if he was called upon. But I really don't think he'll re-sign for next year. I think I think that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. And there's talk, big talk, big, 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 big talk of McLaren going to IndyCar next year. I think the IndyCar team is for Alonso. I think it could be called the Alonso team. You reckon? They basically went, don't leave, 
Uh, what do you want? What do you want? Whatever, whatever you want. We'll do an indie car team. We'll buy. We'll buy you a, a pony. Yeah, um, but, but sure, I mean, surely, if you if you're um, an indie car team and you saw his performance at uh, uh, at the Indy 500 last year and you've seen how good a driver he is, surely you'd be falling over yourself to give him a seat. He surely doesn't need to stay with McLaren, who've constantly let him down over and over and over again. I mean, I just think Alonso's career path for the next 10 years is going to be tied to disappointing McLaren. I think he's going to do Le Mans this weekend, and he's going to lose in the Toyota that's the only car that can win. I think it's going to crawl and die before it gets across the line. He's going to go to IndyCar next year and have the shittest car in the field. Then he's going to come back to McLaren with his tail between his legs on the new 2021 Aero regs, and they will be the shittest team. And then one day he'll retire, and McLaren will be good again. And apparently he was he was holding them back. <laughs> you say it as if it as if it's you know it's a hilarious joke, but I genuinely could see that happening. So now let's move on to the standings with Terry Saunders. So it's a boring race, and I'm thinking some of the drivers might be thinking about other career paths. So this starts off as a kind of what jobs could drivers do, and ends in a kind of I'm quite busy and anyway. In first place, it's Sebastian Metalworker. <laughs> See where I'm going? Second place, Lewis Handmaid's Tail. That's, uh, he has to get held down and the captain has sex with him. Uh, Valtteri Hottas, he's a stripper. Daniel De Mercado by Gilbert and Sullivan. He's gone into performing arts. Uh, Kimmy Extortionen. Oh, topical. Max Sausage Bappen. He's going to work at a calf. Fernando Falonso. Fernando Falonso. He'll just be... Miserable. You can hire him to be miserable. Eighth place is Nico Mulkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> Another stripper. Uh, this should just be their stripper names. Carlos J. Sainsbury, Kevin Magnum, Pierre Dasley, another stripper. Sergio Jerez and the Tortoise. That's a stripper that has a very unique party trick. Uh, Esteban Locum, he's a driver that stands in. Um, Charles Lego, got bored. Stoffel Manhorn, another stripper. I didn't realise these are all so horny names, but now I'm reading them out. Lance on the Dole, Marcus Ferret's son, and Brendan Shatley. Shatley. Brendan Shatley. Wow. That's a stripper with a cost extra. <laughs> and I'm going to Le Mans this weekend. So I thought, what would the teams be like if they went to Le Mans? Mm-hmm. Then I realised that some of these teams have been to Le Mans before. <laughs> One of which, Mercedes, killed lots of people. So, Mercedes, uh, not after last time. Ferrari, only when we quit F1, which we will do, promise. Uh, third place is Red Bull, not on your nanny. In fourth place, Renault in a souped-up Clio. And in fifth place, McLaren, who will talk the talk. They will be winning them on before they get there and then turn up and be awful. Uh, Force India, can't afford it. Uh, Toro Rosso, what's the point? Haas, just too crashy. Sauber is near Switzerland, and I think they've done it lots before, so they're probably, they're probably there anyway. And Williams can afford it, but won't. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. It's getting very Groundhog Day around here. Each race seems to have all the hallmarks of a thrilling battle. Then somewhere between lap one and two from the end, all the thrill seems to have dribbled through the porous tarmac. I've not ranted about tyres for a while because I find the subject so boring, and the idea they're important to F1 is so frustrating that I just can't cope. First things first, it's not Paredes fault. I mean it is, in the fact they agreed to supply this shit show, but they are being asked to bring tyres that are shit, a hard swallow for a company that makes tyres. But they've risen to the occasion and they've made some shockingly awful tyres. The problem is, they're not bad enough. 
The idea that tyres degrade, forcing many pit stops, pit stops heighten the chances of action, overtaking, leg braking and lots of drivers on different tyres means many different performance differentiators on track, therefore more overtaking. Except they forgot to factor in one thing, the fucking boring data scientists in F1. With all their correlation and their mapping and their predictive bullshit, they decide that actually overall it's quicker at a race to nurse shit tyres home than risk a pit stop, so they all do it. Never, ever, 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 ever leave something up to Formula 1 teams to do for the good of the show because they will surely and selfishly fuck it up every time. But don't worry, I have a solution. Two solutions. One, stop with all this hypersoft nonsense. There are three tyres at every track, soft, medium and hard. I couldn't give a toss if this week's medium is the same as last week's soft. Three tyres. Don't go all Starbucks with your super grandes. It should be small, medium, large. Soft, medium, hard. Second, the teams now, in my rules, don't know what they're getting. All the tyres are black and wrapped up. They come in for a pit stop and change tyres, and only when they're up to speed does a little gizmo inside reveal on the TV graphics what the compound is. Soft, medium, hard, or, wait, there's a fourth one, the Joker. Each team gets some kind of super duper, pretty hot shot, amazingly fast and durable tyre once a season at random. That'll spice it up, the end. Yeah, yeah, I think you've solved all the problems. I've there. solved it again. I always do. I can't help it. Finally, next season is going to be it's going to be worth watching. That's all you need to do. Just just more tyres. So that is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We have not had time to talk about just because I'm in Ireland at the moment, and it suddenly occurred to me: when was the last time we saw an Irish F1 driver? There's a Eddie Irvine. Of them. Well, he was Northern Irish, which is Ooh, technically yeah. part of Great Britain. But I do recall. No, 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 no. So you're right. Technically, Technically part of the United Kingdom. Yes. Yeah. Come on, don't get that wrong. But I do recall there being a few foul-ups during his F1 career of people thinking he was Irish and there being all sorts of hoo-ha about it. But the last one I can remember is Ralph Furman, (laughs) which says a lot. And I think it's about time we had a new one. So if anyone listening knows more about the lower formula and knows of any up-and-coming Irish drivers, let us know. They're too busy writing poetry. And it's goodbye to Terry Saunders. We also haven't talked about Le Mans. Oh, we have. But I'm going to Le Mans now. I'm going now. This is where I'm going after the podcast. I'm going to Le Mans. Are you going to do a special podcast? Have a wonderful time. I might do some uh, drinking and then if Nigel Mansell's there, I'll pee in the toilet next to him oh. and then uh, we'll get back and I'll talk about it. <laughs> Make sure you go and stand at the I mean, I, curves at night with a beer. I mean, I could record a whole podcast there, but what we've learned in the past is that us recording <laughs> podcast at events does not go well. <laughs> Which bodes well for our live show. We'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the French Grand Prix. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for f one sake. And make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are, at for f one sake. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. Maybe good? Might not get there. Just any review. Authentic. Any good, bad feedback. Um, and you can buy all of our garments from... www.com. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. Is it a fortnight or is it a week? Well, it'd be a week by the time this comes out. But, you know, it's a podcast. Time is ethereal. Ethereal? <laughs> Inferior. Time is time is a shithouse. I've got to go to the mod. Bye. Hi, <laughs> Pinky Grez. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bonjour. Au revoir. <laughs>
On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.